If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holly. I'm very, very excited to always start the new year in the house of God with the people of God. It always feels good. And uh, always, you know, the more hope that we can gather in our life, the, the better off our year can be. And all of our hope is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the hope that does not disappoint. So that's why we can continue to have this expectation of greater things because he is there. The scripture teaches us in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 that Christ has become our high priest of good things to come. Yeah. That's why as believers, we ought to be able to expect to have a good day. Expect to have a good day. Expect to have a good year because Jesus is the one who is ensuring good things coming to you. Amen. Anything less is less than what he has to give. And I don't want to live that kind of lifestyle. I don't know about you. But I do not want to miss out on what God has for me to see, to do, to know, to experience. Amen. And I pray that this year will be your best year yet. I want to put a challenge out to you this year, all of you children of God. This year, I want to challenge you to be in 100 church services. Oh. That's a lot, Pastor Eric. Yeah, that's why it's a challenge. Now, some of you, it's no challenge. You come here, you breathe in church, right? You're here all the time. I thank God for you. But I want to challenge all of you to step it up a notch and be here 100 services this year. Now, if you make every Sunday, that's 52. You're halfway there. That's good news. We also have Wednesday night services and, we also, and various events throughout the year, conferences. And uh, so I'm putting it out there to you. And I'm, as, uh, as they did on the playground and Christmas story, I double dog dare you to stick your tongue to that flagpole. <laughs> I double dog dare you to be here. 100 services this year. All right? Who'll take me up on it? <laughs> hey! All the people who are here every, every service. Yeah, yeah that's easy. I'm, I'm, make it your resolution. Challenge yourself. Do something new in the new year. Amen. So uh, this, this uh, January, this month, we're going to be talking about, I'm starting a series called I Will. And what we're going to be talking about are spiritual resolutions for 2013. Some absolutes for your life, some must-haves in order for you to experience growth uh, in your relationship with God, in your own personal life, and uh, in, in, in your family's life, as well as your finances, your health, and your body, and all the things that God has promised us, the good things in life. But that we have to have, I mean, there are absolutes that must take place for us in order for us to experience that. You have, there, there, I mean, you have to eat to live, right? You have to eat to live. That's just all there is to it. You have to drink water. You have to drink something in order to live. You have absolutes in order to sustain life. And if you're going to have any kind of greater spiritual experience and growth and increase, then there are absolutes for you. All right? And we're going to be talking about these things. Read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. Pray. Go to church. Tell people about Jesus. Serve in the church, serve in the house of God, and give. And now we're going to be talking about those things over the next few weeks. I thought it was really cool that my dad ended the new year um, with the great message he brought and then gave those five basic uh, necessities for the Christian life. He had no idea that I was going to be bringing up this series. It was just really cool. 
But today we're going to be talking about I will read the Bible every day. And I want to encourage you to read your Bible every day. Amen. Every day. Don't miss a day. But if you do, don't beat yourself up. Just get up the next day and do it again. But get a regular habit of the Word of God. So um, what I want us to do is just first look at why, why is it important that we read the Bible every day? Because that which we give our time to is that which we value. And if you value the scriptures, then you'll hold it at a, at a, at a very valuable uh, place in your life called time. And how many of you know time is precious? It's a precious commodity that we have. It is a gift from God. And it is one that is fleeing as fast as it's coming. And so we all understand and we live our lives by appointments and and. and things we got to do and places we got to go and people we have to see. Make the scriptures one of the appointments that you keep every day. All right? And um, I'm not talking about having to understand everything. I'm just talking about taking some time to give it a chance. Because if if you'll have a daily diet of the scriptures, understanding will come. Because God is a revealer. He is a revealer. That's why he gave us the scripture. That's why we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Jesus said that he'll guide you into all truth. Amen. He's there to reveal the word of God to to breathe on that scripture. And so it becomes light and life to you. Amen. Are you all right out there? Wow. Thank you, Terrence. Love you, man. So why? I want us to look at a few people who lived extraordinary lives and experienced extraordinary things because of how they saw the Word of God. And the first guy we're going to look at is Job. Job chapter 23 and verse 12. Now, I'm going to be running pretty quick through some of these things. And if you have your version app on your phone, you can go there and click the live button and search One Cause Church, and I've got some notes ready for you to follow by. Uh, but if uh, you don't have that available, please jot some of these things down. They'll really help you. All right? Are you up for the challenge? All right, job, 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 23, 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, for me, that's kind of a challenge because I hold food way up here. Like, you ever heard somebody say, or maybe you've experienced this yourself, I got so busy today, I forgot to eat. I don't even understand that. I have never one day in my life, as long as I can remember, have ever forgotten to eat. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. I make that appointment with food. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm there. Unless I'm fasting. Unless I'm fasting. But when you fast, you remember that you are missing a meal. Boy, it's before your mind all the time. And remembrance, we will never forget. (laughs) But Job says, look what Job says. Even more than the food, more more than my necessary food. This is something I absolutely have to have, but I treasure the word of God above that. See, Job put the word of God in a place of necessity. Something that he saw that would sustain his life. 
Now look at what David said, the great King David. We read this psalm this morning. Katie read that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, which means you don't take bad advice, nor stands in the way of sinners, which means you don't keep bad company, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, which means he doesn't develop a bad attitude. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or in the word of God. His delight is in it. And in his law, he meditates how often? Day and night. Now, if that seems a bit much for you, then you might need to rethink what you're doing. Psalm chapter 119, he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. And look how much he holds the word of God in importance in his life. He says, I could make bad choices, but I want to keep his word. I want to do the right. They want to follow God. So it keeps me from making the wrong decision. Keeps me from saying the wrong things and going the wrong places. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Solomon, the wisest king ever, in Proverbs says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your what? From your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are, watch this, look how important this is. How important is the word of God? It's life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, said, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Like when my wife takes a bite of dessert, I kind of get an idea of what Jeremiah's face looked like. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. The great apostle Paul said, All Scripture. Everybody say, All Scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, really for every part of your life, every part of man. Matter of fact, Hebrews says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's good. I mean, that's pretty sharp if you can divide the spirit from the soul. And of the joints and marrow, that is your flesh, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is, the Bible is the answer. It's the life sustenance for every part of man, spirit, soul, and body. Now, watch what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4. But he answered and said, and let me tell you, he's talking to the devil here. It's the great showdown in the desert. And Jesus has been drawn out there by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. He got through fasting 40 days. 40 days? And the devil comes up to him, begins to tempt him, and says, hey, if you're hungry, command these stones to be turned into bread. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is written. I love that. Jesus, Jesus showed us the validity and the power of the scriptures by just answering the devil with the word of God. It is, I mean, if I'm Jesus, I don't know, I think I, I could think of a little flashier thing to do, right? Just make the devil just dissipate into a million pieces and then... Bring him back together and say, how do you like that, sucker? You know, I can do anything I want. But no, he said, it is written. Jesus 
believed in the word. You know why? Well, because he is the word. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live what Jesus taught us. We live by the word of God. John 6, 63, Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now go over to Mark chapter 4. So we see that these great men of the scriptures in, at, uh, um, in, in the word of God, of course, Jesus being the greatest, all held the, the Bible at, in high esteem, high value, a great place in their hearts and their lives. They talked about it being the, the meditation. It's in their thoughts and in their mouths and in the middle of their heart. It, that just means that their whole life is about it. And that which you give your time to and that which you give your attention to is that which you value. Amen. This is why it needs to be an everyday thing in the life of the believer. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. The sower sows the word. This is Jesus giving the answer to a parable that he just spoke and the disciples asked for the meaning of it. And here he's telling them what the meaning to the parable is. He says, the sower sows the word. So what does that make the word? Say it loud. Seed. The word of God is a seed. All right? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, everybody say they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The first person that Jesus shows us here is the wayward person. Notice that they're, by, they're the wayside. They, they, they live life on their own track. They're that guy that Solomon spoke of in Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. Wayward means turned or turning away from what is right and proper. This person, however, is easy prey for the devil. Notice that. Jesus says he hears it and Satan comes immediately and takes it away. Because this man's heart is not submitted to God. This man's heart is submitted to his own way. Making his own way through life. I'm a self-made man. He defends his lifestyle, his sinful lifestyle, whatever that may be. He defends his religious tradition to the bone, even staring scripture in the face and yet refusing to believe that because he's so holding on to his tradition. These are the guys that gave Jesus the most trouble. And he told them, it's your traditions that make the word of God of no effect in your lives. He defends his own beliefs. He's obstinate, argumentative, disagreeable. The wayward, easy, easy prey for the enemy to come and take the word away because his heart is not set to receive the truth. He is the wayward. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, everybody say they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Oh, this might, this might be somebody that says, amen, Right? They're moved emotionally. They receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. Oh, So it's not enough to be dramatic about it. Not, not enough to be excited about it. They have no root in themselves, which means there was no seed there in the first place. Because there can't be a root without a seed. So it means they haven't taken I mean, they're excited about it. Woohoo! But it gets only as far as the emotional realm. Right? 
I mean, you, I've been in church services where there are lots of emotion. Lots of emotion. And walked out of there going, I didn't learn a thing, but man, it was sure fun. I had a great time. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Watch this. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. These are the weak. These are the weak. They have no root in themselves. They live by whims. When days are bad, they are bad. When they're good, boy, they're good. All depending on circumstances and situations to be just right in order for me to have a good day. Because they have no root in themselves. So they hear something, they hear the word, they get excited. But then all of a sudden trouble comes. They go, oh, wait, 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 wait. God, where are you? Oh, he must be bringing this into my life to teach me something. But this says that tribulation and persecution comes for the word's sake. I don't understand the thinking of all oh, this happens so you'll become closer to God. No, that's, Jesus says that, that he's coming to take the word away. The persecution and the trouble comes to take the word away. That means they're trying to, it's trying to take you away from God. You have to press yourself into God. Draw near to him. Jesus said, come to me. Amen. This stuff is contrary to the word of God. It's not God-ordained. You're God-ordained. Amen. He taught you. He made you in such a way that whatever you face in this life, he's with you. And he's given you the strength and the power and the ability to overcome. And it's found in his word. Now, I want you to notice, so far, both people, the wayward and the weak, they've heard the word, but yet have failed to experience its power. We were in Sulphur Springs on Thursday. My dad's best friend, Terry Sparks, um, had a birthday party out there, and they invited, us, invited a bunch of us, family and friends, and ministers to go out there. It's his 60th birthday party, and it was a surprise party. It was really a lot of fun. And after we were d- done eating at the restaurant, I was standing with Pastor Terry's wife, Miss Sandy, and her granddaughter was outside the restaurant. And so we're saying goodbye, and all of a sudden, her granddaughter runs in, and it was Braley. And she says, Mimi, did you know tomorrow is Big Friday? And she said, no, I had no idea. And I asked her, I said, what is Big Friday? She said, I don't know. But Bill said tomorrow is Big Friday. <laughs> well, Bill is a mechanic. He owns a mechanic shop, and on Fridays, he has to get his inventory moved out, has to get the cars moved out, so it's a long work day for him. But all that little kid heard was Big Friday. Something big's going to happen on Friday. Mimi, you gotta, we got to find out what this is about. See, she had the information, got excited about it, but uh, didn't know what else to do with it, didn't even know what it meant. The information is wonderful at times, but if you don't take the time to understand And all you've ever done is just gotten excited. But Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, that is ears to hear and understand what I'm saying. It's the truth that you know that will set you free. Truth alone will not set men free. Men hear truth all the time. Doesn't change it. But Jesus said, "This this is why. This is why. It's the condition of their heart to receive the word of God. You shall know the truth. And it's that truth that you know that will set you free. Glory to God. Now, Paul said in Colossians, 
Chapter 2, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Well, how did you receive him? You received him by faith. So how do you walk in him? By faith. The just shall live by faith. Now watch this. Rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Glory to God. So you get rooted in it by heeding to, glory to God, establishing your faith by heeding to what you've been taught. Amen. And your, your teaching, your instruction comes from the scriptures. Let's continue. Verse 18. Are you all right so far? Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Guess what these guys got to do too? Hear the word. So far, everybody's heard it. All right? And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. These are the wandering, aiming at everything and not hitting anything. Notice the seed fell among thorns. This is a cluttered, crowded garden. Cluttered, crowded life. So the word is not able to do its work because there are so many other distractions, so many other goings about here and there and here and there. So many other influences coming in that the word doesn't get its chance. Every time we get to that one, it always gets real quiet. You gotta get the hoe out and clean up the garden and let the word be the only seed that takes precedence in your life. Glory to God. Solomon said, keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it springs the issues of life. Now, let's look over at Luke 10 for just a moment. I've got just a few more minutes. We're going to discuss this, and we're going to go into, into communion together. Um, I talked to the Wednesday night service a little bit about this. And uh, if, you, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to go to get the podcast I uh, taught 13 do-nots for 2013, and I think you'll really enjoy that. Uh, you can go to onecausechurch.com, click on the podcast button, and it's free for you to have. All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now what did Mary do? She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, right? But Martha was distracted with much serving. You know, you can be doing some really good things and be distracted from more important things. She was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. All right, think about this for a moment. I'm trying to just imagine the Lord of all the universe, King of all glory, he who, who was in the beginning with God, the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among us, seated in this house. These two had acknowledged him as being the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah coming, and here he comes to their house, and Martha and Mary are in there in the kitchen. Boy, they're working there. Oh, man, they're going to make Jesus a good, good supper. What would you fix for Jesus? I can't even imagine what I'd try to come up with to fix for Jesus. I mean, I don't know. Okay. I know I would, think my, I would want my wife to make him those stuffed shells 
that she makes. Those are really good. If you've ever had those. Or that, what's that lasagna she makes? Spinach lasagna stuff. Y'all getting hungry yet? And Mary, it dawns on her. It dawns on her. She's in there cooking. She's serving there. And it dawns on her who's in the house. Because Martha said that she left me to serve alone. So she's in there. All of a sudden, she's like, what am I doing? Jesus is here. He's in that room, and I'm in this room. What's wrong with me? Takes off her apron, goes in there, and just sits at his feet and listens to him speak. Meanwhile, Martha, she's working away, all right? She's just put the biscuits in the oven, turns around. Mary, I what? where is she? Makes her way out of the kitchen, and there she is, sitting at Jesus' feet, doing nothing. There's work to do. She's doing nothing, right? And then she comes out there and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me serving? How many of you know that's probably not the best approach to Jesus who's about to die for your sins and to say, do you not care? (laughs) But guess what? She's busy. She's busy. So she interrupts him speaking. It's important for us to hear this. Because, man, we got a big habit of doing a lot of talking and a little bit of listening. Do you not, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are right. Mary, get up and get in there and help her, you lazy thing. Now, look what Jesus says to Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. You know, you find yourself busying yourself because your own trouble inside. If you can just stay busy, if you can stay distracted, you don't have to deal with things in your life. You know what it's like when you get, you open the refrigerator after you've eaten a meal. You just stand there staring like, I'm not hungry, but something's got to happen right now. You know, just looking at, hey, that's your spirit talking. Feed me. But you got to get quiet enough and you got to get still enough to sit at his feet and to hear his word. Because being busy ain't everything. You can be, go about doing all kinds of good things. But Jesus said, she's busied herself because she's troubled and she's worried. Now watch. Verse 42. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. The reason it's important for us to sit at his feet and be still and know that he's God is because it's necessary for us. It's needed, he says. Yeah, you need to serve him but not before you sit at his feet. Before you get up and get into your workaday life, take some time and hear from God. Yes. Get into his word and see what he has to say. I guarantee your days 
will go way better. You'll have understanding that you never knew you had. You'll have wisdom for those situations that you come across that you needed. Hope this is helping you today. I like what D.L. Moody said to a young man who told him that he was too busy to read the Bible every day. He said, if you're too busy to read the Bible every day, then you're busier than Almighty God ever intended any human being should be. And you had better let some things go and take time to read the Bible. Amen. You know, with every kind of machine that's made, there's almost always an instruction manual with it. And the Bible is the book for men. For you know how to operate, how to live your life. Amen. And don't think that you can live it without it. Oh, you can live it. You can eke out an existence. Or you can have life and that more abundantly. Let's, let's look at this last guy. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Those who hear the word, guess what? They heard it too. All four of these guys, the wayward, the weak, the wanderer, now the willful. Watch this. Hear the word. Hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Three things. They hear it, they accept it, and bear fruit. Now, I think there's more emphasis on it than there is on accept. They accept it. And the word of God to them is it. This is it. They accept it and bear fruit, that is, of it. Well, how do they bear fruit? Well, the scripture teaches us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Your words are how you bear fruit. So when you get the word of God in your mouth, then you bear the fruit from the word of God. Glory to God. They hear it, they accept it, and they speak it. They hear it, they accept it, and they speak it. Glory to God. Remember, the spirit of faith is believing and speaking. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, says uh, hmm, Rolodex, Rolodex. We also have in the same spirit of faith, as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. The spirit of faith is believing and speaking. Remember, faith comes by how? Hearing, but faith is released by speaking. Glory to God. All right, now, so this guy, this man, the willful man, is obstinate to stand for the word of God and nothing else. He's made it his priority, his highest value. Brandon was telling me in, in the earlier service that he'd just gotten over three days of being sick. He said, I was sitting eating barbecue the other night, and I couldn't taste it or smell it. I said, you miserable beast. Bless your heart. <laughs> he, he said, I, I could have just been eating anything. This guy who accepts the word has understood that when his senses aren't working for him, something greater is. Yeah. Glory to God. He knows if he'll just go ahead and get this food, if he'll go ahead and just get the word of God into his life, if he'll go ahead and read it, if he'll go ahead and say it, then the senses, they don't, it doesn't matter whether you can taste it. It doesn't matter where you can smell it. 
touch it, see it. It doesn't matter. You just have to be determined that you're going to have the Word of God. And you rely on that sixth sense called faith in God. For we not walk by faith and not by sight, which is our senses. Faith is far outside the realm of the senses. It's where we connect into the supernatural power of the living God. And it is known by our utterance of his words. And when we speak words, glory to God, things happen. I want to give you just a few things. ABCs of daily Bible reading. I'm not going to go all the way to Z. I'm just going to give you ABC, all right? ABC of daily Bible reading. Number one, appointment. That is, set the time and make the appointment. An appointment. Got to have it. Some of you, it's It's morning. Some of you like to get up early and spend that time. Some of your night owls, like John Allen over here, our illustrious youth pastor. Stand up. Let everybody look at you, youth pastor. Isn't she great? She's fantastic. Set the time and make the appointment, whatever you have to do. Amen? B, belief. You have to believe that this is important. You have to believe that the word of God is what sustains your life. You have to believe that the word of God is priority and it must be in your life. Amen. Because if not, you'll just, you'll just go to what the world offers. It's easy for us to run to that medicine cabinet and just grab something, right? Got a headache, just grab that. I mean, we've got so many things at our convenience that we, we don't seek God. We just go for the convenient thing. We have so much, so much abundance and so many good things that we can turn to that God is somewhere. And it's not until these things begin to fall apart on us and the system breaks down that we finally go, okay, 9-11, right? All of a sudden, now our congressmen and senators, they're all standing on the Capitol steps singing God Bless America. Uh, where were you like... A long time ago. Now we seek God. Right? And I'm not saying that you, I mean, it's great that we did that. That's not the only time. Let him be, in all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways and he will direct your paths. Get in the habit of just talking to him about everything. Right? Just get in the habit of it. Making him the first thing on your mind. All the time. Now I'm kind of getting into next week's. Okay, belief. But because we, we, our belief, our belief system is our, is our system of what's important to us. All right? So believe that the word of God is what you need. That it is necessary for your life. And, number, and C, creativity. You need an appointment. You need your belief system right concerning the word of God. And you need creativity. Because there ain't nothing more boring than being bored reading the word of God. I mean, think about this for a moment. If you, if you can't sleep at night, open your Bible, you'll fall right to sleep. If you can't, just start praying. You'll fall asleep. Because your flesh, it don't get into anything spiritual. Right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. You having trouble sleeping? Just open your Bible, start reading, man. You'll... Amen. <laughs> That's why I, rec I don't recommend you reading your, your Bible in the bed unless you can just stay up. But that's all right going to sleep reading the scriptures too. But you know, you don't want to just have a half an understanding all your life. All right. Creativity. Let me just give you some ideas, okay? Read a whole letter of Paul one day. 
For some of you who are extremely busy, Philemon will be a great book for you because it's one chapter. <laughs> 26 verses of it. <laughs> anyway, read a whole letter. It, it's amazing the sense of accomplishment you'll get by just reading a whole book. And, you can, and, and they're so packaged well, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all, all in those, Thessalonians and Timothy. They're all short books, but they're full of power. I'm telling you what. So, so get you a, it's like a protein shake, ain't it, Terrence? Get a whole chapter, yeah. All right. Number two, read a chapter of Acts every day for a month. Try that. I recommend February because Acts is only 28 chapters. So read one chapter a day of Acts, and you'll go through that entire book. And it's fabulous, the, the, the founding of the church and the great miracles and things that were done and the, how the church was established during that time. Just awesome miracles and great stories. And it's Paul's beginning in ministry. Verse, uh, verse 3, this is Eric's uh, scripture. This is my letter to the church. Of Eric, verse 3. Um, <clears throat> spend one day a week memorizing a portion of scripture. You can memorize the word of God. You really can. And if you happen to be musically inclined whatsoever, you can turn it into a song. Speaking of, my son Dylan is going to come and demonstrate for you this morning. Come here, son. Since him and our two daughters were young, I grew them up, growing them up, teaching them songs, uh, scriptures made into songs. And so I wanted him to come and sing one that... We, he's learned over the years. Acts 2, 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. <laughs> Good job. You know, you can learn, great job. You can learn one verse of scripture. Now listen to me. You can learn one verse of scripture a week. One verse a week. And in a year's time, you'll know 52 verses of scripture. Think about if you just keep that habit going in 10 years. How fast does 10 years go by? 520 verses of scripture. Just learning one a week. You can know the Bible. Amen. And it can be the meditation of your heart and life. We have so much fun singing scripture songs around the house. Great times. Sit with, number four, sit with your family and read a Bible story at the dinner table. It's amazing the kind of questions the kids will ask, which will keep you on your toes to study your Bible more. And not just, let's call Pastor Eric. No, you figure it out. Google it if you have to, you know. We have so much information available to us. Sit with your family. Read a Bible story at the table. We've, we've enjoyed this through the years as well. Um, sitting with Dylan a couple of weeks ago, and we were reading just the creation story and started in chapter one as he's eating his breakfast, getting ready for school. And, and, uh, and when I got to the verse, it said, and God separated the land from the waters, Dylan said, that would be the Pangea. <laughs> Please explain that. Is that Hebrew? What is that? He said, no, that's when all the, the land, mass, the, all the continents were all one, one massive land, and it's known as the Pangea. I said, well, maybe you ought to start teaching me then, because I am, and I'm, you're beyond me, my son. 
But we have great discussions like that. And even when he was little, about three years old, we were sitting at the breakfast table one morning and we were learning a scripture and I don't remember what it was, but it had the word godliness or godly in it. So I looked across Dylan, I said, Dylan, what does godly mean? He's looking down at his cereal bowl and he looks up and he says, Jesusly? <laughs> That's pretty good theology. Yeah. Godly equals Jesusly. That's good. But you, make, you can make memories. When you're sitting around the table with your children, teaching them the word of God, and it helps them see the value, the value that you place great value on his word. Amen. Talk about Abraham and David, Noah, Moses, Joseph. Great, great people of the Bible. Uh, number five, listen to an audio Bible. There are free audio Bible apps out there. I listen to one called Bible.is. It's from a ministry called Faith Comes By Hearing. And you can get the non-dramatized version or the dramatized version. And when you're on your car on the way to work, you can just get along with you and God and just listen to his word. It's a great time. You ever getting ready for work, whatever, but just keeping yourself in the environment of his word. Amen. Uh, search the Bible for promises concerning your situation. If you need peace, look up scriptures on peace. Just dig around. Amen. Enjoy it. Be creative with it for healing, finances. And don't just rely on somebody else to be able to give you the information. You open your Bible and you spend some time there. Amen. And some of you that need that more regimented schedule, read three chapters a day and five on Sunday. When we were going to Christ for the Nations, a great Frida Lindsay, we call Mom Lindsay, she always taught us three and five. Three and five. Amen. And she did that all the days of her life. I think she passed away at 97, something like that. And always read three chapters a day and five on Sunday. And you'll go through the entire Bible in one year if you'll do that. Start to finish. Uh, read it out loud as often as you can because faith comes by hearing and no one will convince you more than your own voice. We all like the sound of our own voice anyway. <laughs> Love to hear ourselves talk. Might as well get the word of God in there helping you out. Amen. But if you, if you need some more help and more guidance concerning that, on your YouVersion app, actually, there are lots of Bible reading plans. Just get on a plan and stick to it. Amen. It'll bless you. And like I said, don't worry about understanding. Pray about understanding. Amen. Say, God, I don't want to just spend my wills here. I don't want to just do a duty. I want to meet with you. And I know you want to meet with me. Make this time. Make this time good. Help me to know you. Help me to understand you. Help me to know your word. All right? Guys, you can go ahead and begin to pass the communion at this time. Today we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. We do on the first Sunday of the month. And, um, but it's also great because we, it's also a great beginning to a new year. To, Jesus said is that you do this in remembrance of me. And I, I commend you all for being here in church. And don't remember, don't, don't, don't remember, don't forget the challenge of 100 services this year. Challenge, I, I promise you, you will not regret making that decision. You won't regret it. You'll be happy. And it's not as much as you think it is. Thank you, Tommy. Now, I want to say something about communion today. That there's, <clears throat> there's only one requirement in partaking of the Lord's Supper. As a pastor of One Cause Church, I'd like to say that you need to be a member of One Cause Church, but that's, that's not really a requirement. And as a man, I'd like to say your good better outweigh your bad before you take communion. 
But that's not a requirement either. There's just one requirement. Because when you sit at this table, the table of the Lord, it's a family thing. It's a family matter. We are all gathering around at his table that he provides. The psalmist said it like this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. Jesus invites us to sit and feast amongst our enemies. Because when he's there, everything's all right. There ain't no enemy that can stop us. No weapon formed against us that can prosper. Because in this meal is salvation and healing. The cure to sin, sickness, and disease. To be in this family, well, God made it pretty easy for us. Now, there are men out there who are trying to make it difficult, and I don't understand why they want to make it difficult for people to come to God or to think it's so hard. Jesus did all the hard work it took. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was nailed to a cross. He did all the hard work. Jesus said it so beautifully in John chapter 3. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever, what a great invitation that is, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The way into this family and to enjoy this meal is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is that he died for your sins that he was buried and he rose again three days later. And to know that all who believe on him will receive everlasting life. See, this life that we're living now is good, but it's temporary. But heaven is forever. And God invites you to be with him forever, to escape eternal destruction that was never meant for any man. It was only made for the devil and his angels. But men can choose to go there to that eternal destruction by simply refusing to believe that Jesus died for them. Wow, what a sad story that would be to live your whole life and never receive this amazing grace. Never connect to the one who created you, who made you, formed you, and fashioned you, planned your life, gave you the gift of life. And if you're here today and you're not in the family of God, I want to say, don't leave here in that way. Receive his free gift. Just receive it by faith. Let's just all pray for just a moment. If you're here today, and I'm going to, have, I'm going to lend you some words to, to say, to connect to God. I can't give you faith that comes from your heart. You believe from your heart. But I can give you some words to connect to him. And in so doing, putting your faith in him, the scripture teaches that you will be made new all over again. He'll come and live in your life and be your Lord and Savior, your very present help in time of need. And then you can know when you close your eyes in death, you'll be with him. Say this with me. God, 
I've heard the gospel. That I receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was buried, and I believe he rose again three days later. Jesus, I now confess you are Lord. You are Lord of my life. I surrender all to you. Thank you for saving me. I am forever yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you're here today and you're battling any kind of sickness or ailment anyway, believe that he healed you by his stripes. Let's receive Jesus' name. In the same manner, the scripture teaches, he also took the cup after they had supper. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So to the captain of our salvation, the Lord of all glory, Jesus, the son of the living God, we toast you today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.